Hello, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. And with all my heart, I hope you hear something that edifies, encourages, equip, enlightens, and then engages you in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and before you listen, I want to take a quick moment and explain to you this month's truth tool. The book is called I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. You know, it's paramount as followers of Christ that we not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. So questions like heaven and hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians. But sometimes we don't fully understand what it is we believe about Christianity. So the book, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith is just that. It's concise and it's a wonderful guide to explain to you the cornerstones of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount because In the Market with Janet Partial is a listener-supported broadcast. We stay on the air because you pray and give. So if you'd like this month's Truth Rule, just call 877-JANET-58. Ask for a copy of I Believe. That's 877-JANET-58. Or you can go online to InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. Give a gift of any amount. We'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. While you're on that website, you might want to take a moment, scroll down just a little bit farther, and there's a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are people who give at a level of their own choosing, and they give every month. They get the truth tool if they ask for it every single month, and they'll also get a newsletter, only people that do, that includes an audio portion that only goes to my partial partners. So if you want to be a partial partner or you're just interested in giving one time to get a copy of I Believe, 877-JANET-58 is the route to go, 877-JANET-58, or online at InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. I Believe, a great book for you to put in your backpack as you continue your Pilgrim's Progress. Now, please enjoy the podcast. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. So Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely next... rare safety move by a nation. 17 years the Palestinians and Israelis negotiated. This Friends, welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. Better days that we're going to see more and more lawlessness. You see the evening news. I see the evening news. Lawlessness looks like people breaking into a store and they steal everything and there's no legal consequences for what they do. It's the road rage you see. It's the disrespect you see with students and teachers. The list goes on and on and on. And that's just the culture at large, which, let the record reflect your honor, is a mirror of who we are individually. So look at our own lawlessness as evidenced by looking at that image in the mirror and then ask yourself, how does that compare with God's holiness? Ooh. Now, that'll stop you in your path for a minute. So that's exactly what we're going to talk about. God's holiness versus man's lawlessness. I think it's an apt conversation for the days in which we live. Our teacher this hour is Carl Barrett. He's the founder and executive director of Monday Blues to Sunday Pews Ministry. Don't you love that name? And is the author of several books, include God, including God Values Our Daily Steps, God's Guide to Freedom, and God's People Count. He also serves as a mentor, teacher, and chaplain in multiple prison facilities. 
and as an instructor for National Fatherhood Initiative. Carol, I am thrilled I get to have this conversation with you. It's the first. I hope it's the first of many, and I'm glad that you're here. But I, I got to start first by Monday Blues to Sunday Pews Ministry. What a great name. Tell me about that ministry. Oh, my goodness, Janet. When I, when I retired from corporate America two and a half years ago, I was on this venture. How could God use me and my ex- life experiences and teachings that I've been through for the last 20 plus years? And to developing a ministry that can help people understand what's the importance of once we come out of Sunday, what are we missing throughout the week that can help us to sustain a Christian life, not just one day a week, but mm-hmm. every day of the week? Mm-hmm. And what I've discovered is Monday blues is a real disorder. It is an absolute real sickness. Almost 75% people, that's just the average number, Janet, 75% of people struggle more with Monday than all the other days combined. Mm. And well, something that we're very well aware of on your intro is how could I tie that in to how people can take God's Word and apply it to their life, not just on Sunday when they come out of the churches, but the rest of that day and then going into the work week on Monday all the way until they come back to those Sunday pews. Yeah. Now you know how we got the name of that ministry. And so now we have a series of books where what we do is we start with Genesis, which is God Values or Daily Steps, and what I want to do is I want to try, try to help people understand that there are storylines, there are key verses, really all verses, and there's key topics in every chapter of every book in the Bible that actually applies to your life. Mm-hmm. How can I take that and say, what was God saying then, but how does that apply to us today? And so now that's why it's like a daily journey to growth to where we can see how God's Word can impact us on a daily scale. Amen. Amen. You know, it's what I like to call, in fact, you just used the word, I call it applied Christianity. And what we do with this program is we try to get people to say what they've said amen to on Sunday and apply it to what happens for the rest of the week. And so what we tend to do is we compartmentalize our Christianity. It makes perfect sense when we're sitting in the pews and we're underlining with our magic markers and we're making notes as the pastor's preaching. But come Monday, we're completely stymied and we don't have a clue how to bridge the truth, the principles, the precept of God's Word to the world around us. So in this book in particular... And now I understand when you talked about Genesis, it's the subtitle is this. It's God's holiness versus man's loneliness, full colon, a guide through Leviticus. Now, honestly, Carol, most people, when they have their quiet time, say, let me decide what book I'm going to go through. I know I'll go to Leviticus. Most people don't do that. (laughs) But yet it's so appropriate to the time in which we live. So let me ask you. Give me the Cliff's Notes. If I had just landed here from another planet and I said, I hear you have this book called the Bible, and one of those books contained in the Bible is a book called Leviticus, what's it about? What would you say? I would, I would paraphrase it like this. How can God's children maintain a state of holiness so they can dwell in his presence? Mm, wow. Because, because the reason why is because nothing impure or unholy can be in the presence of a holy God. Mm. So what does this require from us as his children? 
that we obey his laws, while we sacrificially, selflessly, and willingly commit ourselves with the best that our hearts, minds, soul, and strength can offer on a daily basis at the discretion of his Holy Spirit. So you've used... Oh, excuse me. Please, go ahead. It's really important that what you see in that book, Janet, is that that the fire, that consuming fire, the Holy Spirit, continually alive and at work in us on a daily basis to help drive out those impurities to help us keep closer to God and help us to get to that part of the wisdom and knowledge and discerning spirit to where we can really see not the big sins in our life, but what we call those little sins in our life, because those get overlooked a lot. So the great thing about Leviticus is that this book shows us just how holy God is. Mm -hmm. And it just, and the severity, if you look at all the laws in the Old Testament, and you see all the rituals and sacrifices and offerings in just Leviticus, those 27 chapters, it gives you a graphic portrayal of just how serious sin is to God. Yeah. Yeah. What a note to take a break on it, because that's exactly where I want to pick up this conversation when we return. And that is, I want to really dig into the concept of what holiness is. So we can't begin to understand it and ask how it compares, more importantly, how it's a measuring stick of our lawlessness if we don't understand what holiness is in the first place. This is going to be a great conversation. Carl Barrett is with us, founder and executive director of Monday Blues to Sunday Pews Ministry. We're discussing his latest book, God's Holiness versus Man's Lawlessness. We're just getting started. It's going to get stuff to think you make you think about a lot this hour. Stick around. Back after this. God, why am I here? How should I live? Could you find the answer to those crucial questions from God's Word? That's why I've chosen I Believe as this month's truth tool. Learn the essentials of our faith in a clear and succinct way. Ask for your copy of I Believe when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go to InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. We are talking to Carl Barrett, who's the founder and executive director of Monday Blues to Sunday Pews Ministry. Don't you love that name? He's a wonderful author of multiple books, the latest of which is God's Holiness versus Man's Lawlessness. And if that doesn't speak to the headlines of the day, I don't know what does. Carl, I I, I love the way you write. You don't pull any punches. My copy of your book is marked all over because you had so many wonderful things to say. Let Let me read to you something you wrote. You said early on in the book, if we... Um, because if we're complacent Christians and not removing unholy things from our lives that may be preventing us from sharing the holiness of God with others, we are stepping into the cautious zone of being lukewarm. So this is not a small issue. This is a hugely important issue. But it's also for many, it's one of those words, you talk about Sunday pews. So holiness is an idea that rolls off the end of our tongue on Sunday. Monday rolls around, and it's a leave it back at Sunday word. I don't think we talk about holiness unless we say holy cow or holy Moses as an expression the rest of the week. We don't really understand what holiness is Monday through Saturday. So it starts with understanding. When we talk about God's holiness, that is a monstrously huge idea. I have a small mortal's mind into which I have to squeeze these amazingly huge ideas. Help me understand what God's holiness is. 
Well, I could give you a few definitions that we're all very familiar with, but holiness is, and I'm going to personalize this because that's what the whole purpose of the book is, but holiness is someone that has been set apart, declared righteous, and ready to be at God's discretion to be used for a purpose and plan. Mm. But I'm going to take a little excerpt from my book on the intro, is that, is this, Holiness is the foundation of God's life. Now, think about that. His true character. It's, in other words, it's that nature which gives complete unity to his divine being. Now, I'm going to expound on that by saying it comprises of these things. Righteousness, graciousness, goodness, and loving kindness. But here's the big one. But hatred of evil. In other words, there is nothing in our life that we have not dealt with, that we have not taken to the Lord at his throne of mercy, love, and grace, and dealt with, and still be in his presence. We have to deal with those areas of our life that separate us from the will of God. Because in the book, there are two key components, Janet, and and I'm sure you've picked up on this, Mm -hmm. sin and sanctification. Mm -hmm. Sin is going to, the more sin we have in our life is going to draw us further away from God's presence. The sanctification is that one key process, key element that can draw us closer to God. And here's the the magnificent thing. You peel back the layers, all those ugly layers of sin, and you're going to get to a black, hardened heart. But you peel back all the layers of sanctification, and you're going to find someone who is vibrant, pumping, life, who's alive, and ready at God's discretion to serve his purpose and plan in their life. Wow. Wow. Beautiful description. Holiness, I'm just going to call him as I see him. I think for a whole lot of believers, holiness is a very frightening concept. We read this verse that says, be holy as I am holy, and you're going, right, he's God, I'm not. How in the world is that ever going to happen? And we also, I think, equate holiness as markedly Old Testament, therefore, There's judgment, condemnation, wrath tied up in that word, and it makes us repel from the word holiness rather than be attracted to us. Now, that's and I think that's that's bad thinking in our part, and it's probably misunderstanding what the scriptures say, but it's there nonetheless. So help me cut down those bramble bushes. How do we really understand concept? Because you make the point that there's a corollary between God, God's holiness and his love. That's right. It's. What everybody needs to understand, and it goes back to what you said earlier, Janet, you hit the nail around the head, is that I I hope your audience doesn't get upset with me, but we're going to be very transparent and black and white here. So please, this, this applies as much to me as it does to anyone else. So please, listening audience, please understand that this applies to me as much as you. We have to understand that when if we're not walking in the obedience of, of God's Word, we're not showing the respect and reverence for who He is. Mm -hmm. When we we are characterizing and simplifying holiness, guess what you're doing? You're displaying the righteousness of Christ in your daily life. And when you do that, guess what everybody else sees? Faith, love, obedience, and hope. And what a perfect way to plant a seed 
to the unbelieving world, or maybe even a brother or sister in Christ who is weaker in the faith. And that is so critical. And going back to also what you said earlier is that we have to understand that in in Paul's last letter to Timothy, in in the second chapter of, of, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we were saved, and we were saved for a reason. We were saved by God to live a holy life. Mm -hmm. That's not what Janet says. That's not what Carl says. That's what we're challenging called to do. And then here's the power punch. And and uh, by the way, before I forget, Chuck, Chuck Chrismeyer told me to tell you hello. Oh, thank uh, you. That's wonderful. Chuck and I talked about this the other day in, in Hebrews chapter 12. And talk about daunting and scary. Tell me if this would scare people. You cannot see God without living a holy life. Mm. Now, that's that's in Hebrews chapter twelve, and but the beautiful the beautiful thing about Hebrews chapter twelve it starts out with that God disciplines those that He loves. Yes. So He He, he loves us so much. He's trying to show us the character that He wants us to display in our daily life. But He's telling us that if you unpack what that scripture says, is that we cannot see God without living a holy life. This, use the operative word, see. So, in other words, you need to be living a holy life as if he was coming back for you today. So the call is there. The question is obedience, it seems to me. Carl Barrett is the founder and executive director of Monday Blues to Sunday Pews Ministry. By the way, when you think about it, if we were living the lives of holiness that we've been called to live... Just think of the cultural impact that would have. We get the stories of man's lawlessness on the evening news. Wouldn't you love the headlines to be all about people who are living holy lives? Now there's a headline. Carl Barrett's with us. His newest book, God's Holiness Versus Man's Lawlessness. Back after this. Carl Barrett, in his new book, God's Holiness Versus Man's Lawlessness, refers to a survey that was done by the Barna Group. Now, we frequently talk to Dr. George Barna, and it was on the concept of holiness. And he said, basically, holiness baffles America. And Carl included a few stats in his book on this, which I thought was absolutely fascinating, which is why it led me to start our conversation talking about the definition of holiness. It's a lofty theological concept. <laughs> I'm not missing the fact that you're driving home after work and you're going, what holy, oh, I got a headache. That's, that's too hefty a theological topic after a long day of work. So let me put it in a simple way. So today, as you look back over your time on your job, were you practicing righteousness? Did you exemplify graciousness? Did you exude kindness? And does everybody know that you have a hatred of evil? Because if not, well, then we all have a conversation we need to have about holiness. So here's some of the stats that Barna points out that George Barrett, Carl Barrett includes in his book, by the way. While the Christian church may embrace it, he writes, many Americans don't adopt it as a focal point of their faith development. This is partly because barely one third of Americans, 35 percent, contend that God expects you to become holy. One third. A larger share of the born again public believers God has called them into holiness That's only 46%. But that portion remains, Carl writes, a minority of the born-again population. In other words, less than half of us believe that God has called us to holiness. Why? 
Part of it, I think, is fear. Part of it is abject misunderstanding. And part of it is a, I give up before I start attitude. So that takes me to where I want to go first. Let me look at point number three, Carl. If the Bible tells us that all have sinned, past tense, but we continue to sin and fallen short of the glory of God, then it seems to me I shouldn't even wait for the starting end to go off. You referenced Hebrews 12, so I'll refer to the race referenced in the first three verses there of that chapter. Why would I even bother to run with perseverance that race if I know that I'm going to have and will sin? So that takes me out of the running for attempting to be holy. Yeah, I think, I think uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but there's, there's a couple of beautiful examples one is, look at the struggle that Paul went through when he, when he was even talking about being bound to the law in Romans mm-hmm. chapter 7. Mm-hmm. He went on to say that he knew that he should do one thing, but he inevitably did the other. He was con- constantly, continuously having a struggle in his mind on what to do and what not to do. But what he realized is that there was the answer which was in Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. And then you go right to Philippians chapter 4, where he also penned having the same attitude of Jesus Christ. And then you go right to the next chapter, and this is he profoundly puts it this way that I think will help everyone. He realized that he had not reached perfection, but he learned one thing. He was not looking at the past, and regardless, yes. he was pressing on toward mm-hmm. the goal. Yep. Amen. I'm so glad you brought Brother Paul into this because he struggled. And this goes back to a word you used before. And boy, I tell you, our conversation maybe is going to be predicated on the power of language here. So again, (laughs) to your ministry, which I just love the title, Monday Blues to Sunday Pews Ministry, (laughs) this is a Sunday word. So we talk about sanctification. I bet most of us don't ever use that word Monday through Saturday because, again, it's one of them highfalutin theological terms. But when we talk about sanctification, and I love the way you kind of contextualize that in a timeline— that right. the words that we all hunger to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, are only heard at the end of the race, not as right. we're running the race. So sanctification is a moment-by-moment choice on how I'm going to replicate Jesus in my life. And and as, but let me go back to Paul again. And here's the newsflash. I can't do it by myself. But going right. back to the church that he wrote, the letter that he wrote to the church at Philippi, I can do that through his enabling, right? That his weakness, my weakness, is where his strength is manifest. So I don't have to be discouraged. I don't have to give up. The clarion call is here. That's the standard of holiness. That's what I subscribe to. That's the goal that I'm trying to get to. Is it going to be easy? No. And then contextualize it in a sin-sick fallen world, Carl, which just tells me on a regular basis, go for it. Self-aggrandize. If it feels good, do it. Take care of yourself. I mean, isn't the culture screaming anything but trying to live a holy life? Yeah. It's just, and it goes back to, it sounds like we're beating on a dead horse here. People are just, they're just not in God's Word. They're not in the depths of God's Word, like Paul writes to the uh, Church of Colossae, is that, they have they have got to get to God's word, and they got to let the the richness and fullness of God's word dwell within them. So we think about dwell, is that you think about being like we said earlier, being in someone's presence, be in the presence of God's word. Go back to what Deuteronomy chapter six and, and Moses' message is that we need to be sitting around the table, not just on Sunday but on Monday through Saturday, talking about the goodness. And the greatness of God, what he's done, wear it around our necklace. 
I mean, put it in our hearts and our mind. Put it on our doorposts outside our walls. Let people know who we are. We and, and and Chuck brought this up the other day. He said, "I saw in the upper portion of your book where people were raising their hand." I said, "Well, I was trying to take us back to Nehemiah chapter eight, hmm. where Ezra was on the platform breathing, and everybody was like, yes. you know, raising their hands, but also." also bowing in reverence and respect because they were responding to a conviction because they were still rebelling and not obedient to God. And, and, but they acted on their conviction, and, and that's a key right there, Janet. Sanctification is a process. And just think about this. This is why you used to tell the guys in the prison ministry. It's a process, but it should equal progress. Mm. And, and, and what I was going to say was, I, I'll let you go to your break. But remember that thought, because I think that's a very important point. Carl Barrett is with us. He's the founder and executive director of Monday Blues to Sunday Pews Ministry. He's written several books, but his latest one is called God's Holiness versus Man's Lawlessness. And it is a clarion call to every single believer to live lives of holiness. And when we get back, we're going to talk about the benefits in our life when we do that. More with Carl right after this. If what you hear on In the Market with Janet Partial encourages you, enlightens you, engages you, and equips you, I want to ask you to become a partial partner today. This program depends on the faithful and ongoing supportive listeners just like you. By supporting this program on a regular, ongoing, monthly basis, you'll receive several benefits that only my partners receive. So please call today, 877-JANET-58, or go online to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. We're having a very important conversation with Carl Barrett on the topic of holiness. It's often misunderstood. We don't get it. It is a very much Sunday word. We don't use it the rest of the week, which is why I'm thrilled that Carl's ministry is called Monday Blues to Sunday Pews Ministry. It's really about that, how we take what we learn on Sunday and apply it to the rest of our life. And in his latest book, God's Holiness versus Man's Lawlessness, he said that this book primarily focuses on one main attribute needed in every believer's life, holiness. When's the last time you thought about that in your quiet time with the Lord? So, Carl, you were making a point just before the break, and you were so kind to understand that we bow in uh, submission to the clock here, particularly when it's a hard break. So thank you for that. But you talked about process and progress. It was an excellent point. I would love for you to pick it up at that point. Well, one of the biggest things in a Christian's life that we completely miss and that many of us do not act upon it, I want to say include myself as part of that equation, is how the Holy Spirit works in our life to sort of fine-tune us and mold us and shape us into that character of holiness for God, is that the first thing He does when we are out of line is one word that that we don't like is conviction. Mm. But when we don't act upon our conviction— not only are we we're not grieving we're grieving the Holy Spirit, but guess what? We're depriving him of two other major components that he helps us with, and that is counseling and comforting us. But you we have to act on that conviction to allow him to counsel us because what did Jesus say? Is that he's going to send someone that's going to lead us into all truths. 
no falsehood. And then, and through the whole process, when we surrender and submit part of that conviction and allow him to counsel us according to God's word, then he gets to comfort us, reassure us of God's grace, mercy, and love, and we rest in that assurance each and every day. Wow. So I think I can derive from what you just said the answer to the question I want to ask you next, because in the book, you state that a life of holiness is marked by gratitude to God. So gleaning from what you just said, gratitude to God means thank you, God, for giving me a counselor. Thank you, God, for comforting me through the power of the Holy Spirit. That has to create an attitude of gratitude, it seems to me. Exactly, because... There is a, ooh, this is going to hurt some people. There's an evilness when there's, when there's ingratitude in our life. We're not, we're, not, we're not recognizing the graciousness and the goodness of God in our life. Just think about what grace, unmerited favor. We are not worthy of the blessings that he's poured upon our life. We're not worthy to be in his presence, but he allows us. He gives us that opportunity when we submit our lives by faith to Jesus Christ. He gives us that great opportunity to dwell in his presence. And and the beauty of that is that we get a chance to draw closer to him and, and attain more wisdom and knowledge and insight and that discernment. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jan, that's probably the one gift that is so needed in the churches today, because I, I heard Charlie Kirk make a powerful comment. I, I don't know the date of when he made this comment, and this is uh, not verbatim, but this is the gist of what he said. He doesn't blame the unbelieving world for what's taking place in the churches today. Mm. He said, you know who I blame? I blame the Christians. And he nailed a key word that you brought up earlier, complacency. We have just gotten too stagnant, and, and, and I just love how God orchestrates his word. Like, there's a reason why he put, do not have any other gods before me as the first commandment. There's a reason why in the first beatitude he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. I love the New Living Translation. It says, for they realize their need for me, they will see the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. I love the first parable in Matthew chapter 13, and I'm here to tell you right now, that is probably at the core of what's wrong with a lot of Christians today, because that first soil, Janet, as you can it was snatched away by the enemy. Mm-hmm. But those, that second and third soil are people actually in churches today. And it's because if you read on what Jesus says is that those who listen to me and listen to my word, abundance of knowledge will be given to them. But those who don't listen, what little understanding they have will be taken away. Now, if that doesn't scare the heebie-jeebies out of you, I don't know what does. (laughs) Well, so let me flip this around. We've been talking about God's holiness. Let me talk about man's lawlessness. We are waiting for Jesus's imminent return. Notice I didn't say immediate, imminent return. So as we are getting closer to his return and we are seeing lawlessness more and more manifest in the world around us, I'm into causal factors. Is it because 
and I'm talking the, the not the world. The world is doing exactly what the world does without Jesus. I'm talking the church, the people who have professed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God has raised him from the dead. To that group of followers of Jesus, is it because we have failed to take sin seriously or we've grown tepid in our understanding of the egregious nature of sin. It seems to me that sin is only clearly seen through the lens of God's holiness. Otherwise, it's up for personal interpretation. And being a fallen mortal, I'm never going to put it at the same level of God. Right, right. Uh, if To everything that you just said, Janet, it's like we said in the first parable, if people would just really be a student of God's Word, mm. they would see that they would be able to recognize that, no, I'm not perfect, but guess what? Yes, we're going to stumble. Yes, we're going to fall, but guess what? By His grace, He's going to pick us back up. And when we lean upon Him and not our own understanding and, and rely upon His wisdom and His strength and grace to get us through, we can, we can succeed. Now, we're going to have stumbling blocks, but we've got to look at it like this, is that on Monday, when you come out of Sunday, we need to have this mindset in our daily lives as a Christian. I'm going to take four steps forward, but I don't want to take five steps back. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's what's happening today, is that we're getting into... We're so bombarded, and we can we can blame social media for a lot of this, but we're so bombarded with negativity. We're so saturated with so many things that consume our minds, and that's why that's why Paul tells us in Colossians chapter three, fix your thoughts on the realities of heaven, not the things of this earth. And if we can just train ourselves, as Paul says in First Timothy, physical training is good for us. But training for godliness is good for today, and it's good for eternity, because godliness will lead us on that path to God's holiness. Exactly. Wow. So what happens when our heart is pure, we really desire to practice holiness? And again, this is, you know, we we, we have this interesting relationship with free will. First of all, I'm thankful that God didn't make us robots that I have the liberty to choose or reject what God has offered me in terms of eternal life. But that's not the only decision where I get to apply free will. I can choose to whether or not I'm going to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, book of James. I can choose whether or not I'm going to turn the other cheek. I can choose whether or not I'm going to forgive multiple times. Those are everyday choices. And so if my heart is pure and those are the choices I want to make, but again, as Brother Paul talks about, this is the internal struggle that every believer has, and I fall short, how do I deal with the fact that Oh, I've blown it. I, I was moving toward the standard and I fell back. You just talked about four steps forward, not taking five steps back. What if I've taken four steps forward? But even when I fall back a step or two, I think, oh, I've missed the mark again. I'm not any closer to trying to live a life that emulates God's holiness. And then a lot of Christians just give up. It's like going to the gym, wanting to drop five pounds. Forget it. I'm down three ounces. I quit. That same yeah. thing sometimes happens in our Christian life as well. I didn't get the standard. I quit. How do we, back to Hebrews again, How do we understand the marathon aspect of the progress of our sanctification and not give up after a 50-yard dash? Well, what I used to tell a lot of the inmates in the prison ministry, Janet, is this. 
is that we have to recognize and acknowledge, and I'm going to try to keep this as simplistic as I possibly can, because everybody has their own personal convictions on why they struggle in trying to raise the bar to where they can walk daily with the Lord. There's, there's, there's always that ugly trait out there that prevents us from getting to the next step, if you would agree with that. Mm-hmm. So what I used to tell the guys in prison, what is that one area? What is that one area that you struggle with? I said, let's try to peel this back. So let's, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. And, and, and I love what John MacArthur says, Janet, is that he is actually, you know, a lot of people have led people of Christ through the Roman road of salvation or through John and, and other, other books in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. But Galatians chapter 5, John MacArthur said he has led more people to Christ than probably any other book or chapter. And the, and the reason why is because nestled in Galatians chapter 5, you hear that music. You're, you're wonderful. So let's pick it up exactly at Galatians 5 when we return, Carl. Thank you for that. Carl Barrett is the founder and executive director of Monday Blues to Sunday Pews Ministry. He's written several books. He's been a mentor, teacher, and chaplain in multiple prison facilities, as well as an instructor for the National Fatherhood Initiative. His book today we're talking about is God's Holiness versus Man's Lawlessness. Back after this. We're sitting with Carl Barrett, who's the founder and executive director of Monday Blues to Sunday Pews Ministry. He's written several books, the latest of which has been the core of our conversation today. Very thought-provoking to stop and think about God's holiness, which is an attribute that needs to be in every believer's life. But for a lot of us, we don't understand it. We're afraid we miss the mark, so we back off. And we don't really, really care about the significance of sin, which is the antithesis, obviously, of God's holiness. But you were talking about John MacArthur, Carl, just before the break, and how a lot of people use the Roman road in leading people to salvation, but that MacArthur alleges that Galatians 5 has been very instrumental. Explain why. Pick it up there if you'd be so kind. Yeah, we were talking about when people are are struggling, when they feel like they, they get to a point of defeat. So I try to really simplify it. Uh, what I used to teach the prisoners in, in the prison, I, I said, guys, this is, let's try to really make this as elementary as we possibly can. So let's do this. Let's look at the nine elements of the fruit of the Spirit. Let's start with love. Let's go through joy, peace, all the way to self-control. And, and we would sit there and we would just sort of go through each one, filter through each one. Which one are you struggling with? Which one, which area do you feel like that you need more help as far as through the power of God's Word and His Spirit to help you to overcome a victory? Because here's what, sometimes they, people get so bombarded, Janet. They get so bombarded because they're trying to measure up to humans' effort. Mm-hmm. God doesn't determine our worth or our victories based on human benchmarks. He's more concerned about one thing, and that's our heart. So if we can just, because those nine elements of the fruit of the Spirit, from love all the way to self-control, just love how God orchestrates that. I told, I told someone last week, Janet, that what God is saying, that it's like what Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Love is the first element of that fruit of the Spirit, because if you love, everything else will fall into place all the way to self-control, and you will be able to 
dissect and figure out what area of your life you need to really fine-tune that can help you because we get so easily bombarded with all the things that this completely, how the enemy works in our minds. And, and, and we know that the enemy is not, he's not omniscient, omnipotent like our almighty God is. But God's allowing that for a reason. God is allowing those areas in our life, just like he did with Job, that we have to address and bring to his throne and really address one at a time. And I used to tell the guys in the prison, Janet, that, listen, those one little small victories at a time is going to bring you such joy. Yes. And there, are there going to be setbacks? I'd be lying if I said, no, there's not going to be setbacks. You're, you're going to continue and everything's going to be picture perfect. That's not the case. We have to keep pressing on, like we said earlier, as Paul mentioned, but it all goes back to what we talked about, having the same attitude as Jesus Christ and how we address this. Wow. So two pitfalls I can see as we're trying to pursue holiness. How do we avoid legalism and pride in our pursuit of holiness? Oh, Oh my goodness. Wow. That is, oh boy, you brought up two... (laughs) Well, we know the antithesis of pride, don't we? Mm-hmm. It's being humble. That's right. And uh, that's and and let me be the first one for your listening audience. Raise my hand. I'm right here in this office. Raise my hand. I struggle. I've been even accused by my my own family. Uh, got a little pride issue there, Carl. So we all struggle with that. And and then legalism. You know, sometimes people get so. But I'm going I'm to be honest with you, Janet. I think a lot of people use the word legalism as a, as a scapegoat because they don't want to be held accountable. And I'm going to take that. I'm going to expound on that. Look at what James writes. Faith without works is dead. Yeah. So people get caught up in that. So, well, that completely contradicts what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, is that... We didn't do anything to earn our salvation. It was because of God's grace through faith. They, so they contradict each other. But you got to love what Skip Isaac says, is that what Paul is saying is the root of our salvation. What James is saying is the fruit of our salvation. Mm. So that banishes anything because if you are really genuinely saved by God's grace through faith, you are producing that fruit with humility as the underlying tone that would completely diffuse legalism and pride. Yeah. Oh, I think that's so well said, Carol. Here's the other thing, too. I I want to practice kindness and graciousness and forgiveness, not because I've been directed to do so in Scripture. In full transparency, I don't handle authority very well. Maybe it's because I'm a firstborn kid, but that I push back. But I'll tell you what, I can't wait to do those things from a position of love. And, you know, the more you get into God's Word, the more you realize that we think that right. we love God. It's not that we love God. It's that He loved us first. So right. subscribing to a standard of holiness becomes a passion, a desire a want if you're doing it out of love as opposed to kicking the sand with your shoe thinking I have to do this because it's part of the Christian life. And so we get right. a bad attitude and we think we're going to miss the mark anyway. I know I'm going to miss the mark. God knows I'm going to miss the mark. 
But if he's interested in my heart, as you've said several times in this conversation, he's interested in my trying, not my That's succeeding. Right. And and you've said it again. Can I underscore one thing else you said, Carl, that we, we take for granted? I'm one of those lucky kids who grew up, came to faith when I was knee-high to a grasshopper. And I heard all these things all my life. And I used to think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the older I get, the more I realize that they're profoundly eternal truths. If you're not in the Word, how can you begin to understand God's holiness? Talk to me about that. Well, we'll go to a break. No, this is the end of the show, so I'm going to give you 30 seconds to give me your last thoughts. <laughs> oh, you caught me on that one. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I'm going to make this as about as straightforward and as easy for the listening audience as possible. I used to tell the uh, the prisoners in the prison, I know that people may get tired of hearing that, but I used to tell the inmates, go grab you a package of hamburger buns and some wieners and some s'mores, and I want you to camp out in Colossians. And I'm going to be really specific. Live in yeah. the new life in Jesus Christ in Colossians chapter 3. So for the listening audience, read Colossians chapter 3 tonight. And you will get the answers that Janet is talking about right now. Wow. Carl, what a note to end on. That was a fabulous answer in a short period of time. What a rich conversation. I, I can't tell you how convicted I was, and that is the appropriate word, when I was reading your book. I, I want now to pursue holiness and with a renewed passion. And your book is very much responsible for that, Carol. Thank you so much. Thank you, friends. We'll see you next time.